Well, it does seem so often at the moment, doesn't it? It seems every week, um, uh, at least monthly, there's scandal in some people's lives, whether it's people, it's people publicly falling, so people in a public uh, place, and they are, um, they've maybe done something where they have fell. Maybe it could be financial, it could be moral, some kind of inconsistencies in their life, have some lies that have been exposed, and suddenly these people who are revered, uh, they are dashed and their lives are ruined. And this is in many different spheres, isn't it? Sadly, and so sadly, we, can, we see it in the church, and we see it with leaders in the church. So sadly, we see it with political leaders and celebrities, these people who suddenly their lives are exposed and they have fallen. And they make the headlines, don't they? Because people love to read of other people's failure. Love to read how people um, have uh, not lived up to what they said they would. And it makes people feel better about themselves. But if we're honest, we don't need to look at the newspapers or hear these things to see uh, failure, do we? We know that it starts much closer to home. I'm sure we can all think of ways in the past week even how we have let others down. How we have said one thing and done another. Uh, maybe we have said, uh, we have hurt somebody with the words that we've used. Maybe we have let someone down by not doing something we said we would. And we've just ended up hurting people around us. Now in today's passage, as we come to look at this denial of Peter, we see that one of Jesus' closest friends here fails. And he does it in such a, a dramatic way. And as we look at this account... It shows us and it will help us as we think of our failure, how we struggle. And it doesn't leave us in like hopelessness. In fact, this passage and looking at the life of Peter can fill us with hope even in the light of how much we let um, others down and let God down. So let's ask this question. How can we stand when the trial and the temptations come? How can we not fall and fail like Peter does here? Well, there's two headings I want us to focus on today to help us as we face our failure and our uh, denial of Jesus in our lives. We need to know ourselves and know our Savior. So know yourself and know your Savior. The first heading is know yourself. Before we jump into this passage, I'd just like us to step back and remind ourselves a bit about Peter and who he is and what he's like. Uh, Peter is a fisherman from Galilee and he's one of the 12 disciples. And um, even within the 12 disciples, there were three disciples who were particularly close to Jesus. So we see there are three that Jesus would take to see miracles that others didn't see, or the three that he took up the Mount Transfiguration with him, Peter, James, and John. So Peter was one of those close disciples. He got to see things that even the other disciples didn't get to see. And throughout the accounts of Jesus' life, we see, don't we, that Peter is passionate. He is fiery. He is the person who speaks before he thinks, yeah? And he is just out there in your face. I'm sure you can think of people who are like that in your life. The one who's always first to do something, always first to suggest things. They, they are just a, a bit hot-headed, but passionate. Now, when we think about G, uh, Peter's passion, we see through that he is passionate about being loyal to Jesus, and we've got to give him credit for that, haven't we? He always wants to back Jesus up. He always says, I'm going to be there for you, Jesus. I won't let you down. You can trust me. Now, just a few chapters before this, so this is the same evening as this denial happens in John 13. Um, 
Uh, Jesus is saying, look, I'm going away, and Peter asks this question, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus said, where I'm going, you can't follow me now, but you will follow after. And Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus, I am all out for you. That's what Peter was like. When you look at uh, Mark 14, Jesus predicts what happens here, Peter's denial. And Jesus said to his disciples, you will all fall away. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I'm raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. And Peter said to them, even though they all fall away, I will not. Jesus, I am with you. I've got you. I won't let you go. I won't let you down. So do you see this passion that Peter had for Jesus? His love for Jesus, his heart for him, he clearly loves Jesus deeply and cares for him deeply. And we see, saw at the end of last passage, as I mentioned earlier, Jesus is being taken away. What do the other disciples do? Well, they're just standing shell-shocked. Peter wants to do something. He gets his sword out, and he strikes the ear of Malchus. Now, again, we don't know what he was trying to do there, but again, he was just thinking, I want to stop this. So he gets his sword out and tries to do something. And in that moment, Jesus rebukes him. Remember in verse 10, put your sword into its sheath. Shall I not drink the cup that the Father has given me? So Jesus does rebuke him, but again, let's see, Peter cares. He really cares about Jesus. He wants to stop them taking his friend away. That's here as well as Peter not really listening to what Jesus has said before. But as well as being passionate for Jesus, Peter just has this confidence in himself, doesn't he? Oh yeah, even if the other disciples let you down, Jesus, I won't. Jesus, I'm going to lay down my life for you. Whatever happens, I'll be there. But earlier in this evening, remember, Jesus predicted something in John 13. Will you lay down your life for me? Truly I say to you, the rooster will not crow till you've denied me three times. There it is. Peter, you're not even strong enough to get through this night. Now, as we kind of now jump into this passage and look at what we're looking at today, last week Jesus has just been taken away, we saw, by a crowd of soldiers. Let's forget this is all happening in the same evening, the same evening that he washed the disciples' feet in John 13. And Jesus is taken to the high priest. He's taken to Caiaphas. And verse 15, we see the other disciples are probably scarpered. But who is sticking with Jesus? Who's staying close? Well, Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple. Now, we've, we think that's John. Elsewhere, he's called the disciple whom Jesus loved. Yeah, kind of uh, showing us there that the author, I was there. Um, and we think that this is John as well. Even though he doesn't say the disciple Jesus loved, he said, another disciple. So John is staying near as well. John obviously knows people in the high priest's setup, and so he talks to the servant girl, and, and he gets Peter in even closer to see what's happening in this trial. So Peter is there. John just had a word with the servant girl, and, and lets her, she lets him in. And then this servant girl, remember, she is really low down in society. She's a nobody, really. And she says in verse 17, hang on, you're one of his disciples, aren't you? And what does Peter say? Peter, who is so strong. Peter, who is going to lay down his life. Peter, who moments ago had his sword out to protect Jesus. This servant girl speaks and says, don't you know him? What does he say? He kind of stumbles out. I'm not. I'm not one of his disciples. Peter willingly chooses the kind of easy way out here, doesn't he? He chooses this route of denial. He lies. He fails. And then verse 25, we see again. He's warming himself by this charcoal fire. And he's asked again, you're one of his disciples, aren't you? 
Again, Peter says, I'm not. Verse 26, somebody who, again, was related to the, um, somebody whose ear was cut off. You see that relative of the man whose ear was cut off. These interesting details, by the way, don't miss them. They're showing that these are written by eyewitnesses. You know, they don't add anything to the story, but they say, oh, just remember to check out that relative. He was there, he knows. But again, this relative of the man whose ear was cut off asked, and Peter, verse 27, denied it. And at once the cock crowed. What's happening? Here is Peter, the one who was so strong and firm, and I'll do anything for you, Jesus. And now he's denied him three times in such a short space of time, and he's ashamed. Now, again, we look at Peter, and aren't we close to him? We might not have been standing there on that night, but there have been times in our life where we've had a chance to stand up for Jesus, and we've backed out. A chance maybe where we've been able to speak for him and we haven't. Or maybe personally where in our lives, um, where maybe there's nobody watching and we can be faithful to Jesus or unfaithful and we end up being unfaithful to him. We've chosen a path that we know Jesus doesn't want. We deny Jesus, sometimes publicly, sometimes privately. And we just go against him. We choose the easy route out. And as we look on Peter... I think there's some important lessons to learn here that can help us as we struggle with this. He didn't really understand himself at this point. He didn't know himself. He thought he was confident in himself, but that led to his downfall. So what do we need to know about ourselves to help us in our uh, trials? Well, the first thing Peter needed to look at was his past. If, Jesus, if Peter would have looked at his past, he would have seen areas of weakness that might have been able to help him here. So when we look at Peter's past struggles, we can see something of his weakness. We can see that he is um, feet first, kind of, you know, speak and then think. The best example of this is in Matthew 14. That there's a, a storm on the lake. The disciples are in the boat and Jesus comes walking over to them on the water. And the, the disciples then realize who it is after thinking initially he was a ghost. But then Peter says this, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. So Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water, and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And Jesus reached out his hand, took hold of him, and said, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? You see, in a moment where the struggles came, where the tension came, where the trials came, where the wind was there and the waves were there, Peter panicked. His faith went. Suddenly, this man who was so confident, so strong, when it came down to it, he struggled. He was not so confident. So when Jesus says, Peter, you're going to fall away, Peter thought, no, I'm not. I'm strong. I can do this. He'd forgotten his past. He'd forgotten his struggles. Now, when we think of our struggles and when we um, face that challenge of whether we're going to deny Jesus or be faithful to him. Isn't it so important for us to look at our past, to look at areas of our life where we are weak? And that is going to be different for every one of us in the room this morning. We're going to have areas of weaknesses, areas where we struggle. In Luke 22, Jesus says to Peter, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat, but I've prayed for you that your faith may not fail. You see, Satan knows Peter's weaknesses, and he went for them. Satan knows our weaknesses, 
He knows the places and the areas of our life where we struggle. The enemy is real. Jesus tried to prepare Peter here, and Peter was having none of it. Jesus tried to warn him, but Peter wasn't prepared. See, we have an enemy who is a roaring lion, ready to devour. Um, Peter writes about it in 1 Peter. He knows this. He's experienced it. He knows our weaknesses. Satan knows how to discourage us. He knows the areas of your life that you hold precious and the areas where to attack. He knows what is tender to you. He knows the things that if he gets at, you will struggle. He knows how to wind you up. He knows how to lull you into spiritual sleep. Look at your past and look at where you struggle. We need to know ourselves as we head into the battle of our Christian lives, don't we? Now, I remember um, hearing somewhere that somebody asked a group of people to write, if you were Satan, how would you get you to stop loving Jesus? What would be his battle plan against you? It's an interesting question, isn't it? If you were Satan, where, what weaknesses would you go for? Because he knows them already. What would pull you away from Jesus? How would he do it? Well, there we've got our defense plan as well, haven't we? What do we need to pray into? What do we need to see and understand about ourselves and our weaknesses to help us as we seek to be faithful for Jesus? So we need to know ourselves. Look to your past. Look at your struggles. Look at your weaknesses and be alert. So we need to know our past about ourselves. But also, look here at the pride of Peter. Peter thought he was okay. He thought he was strong. He thought he could do it alone. Even when others leave you, Jesus, I'll be there. I'm going to lay down my life for you. But the reality was he wasn't as strong as he thought he was. The reality was he wasn't as strong as he thought he was. Now, earlier the same evening, um, Jesus wanted to help Peter. He wanted to show him, look, this is going to happen. And, um, and as well at that time, Jesus needed Peter's help. And so he said, Peter, I'm going to go and pray. Can you pray for me? Remember, he asked the disciples, the three disciples, please pray for me. Uh, watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. And what happened to Peter and the other disciples? They fell asleep. They couldn't even pray for that moment with Jesus. So again, can you see this? We could say here that pride leads to this prayerlessness. He just didn't pray. I don't need to. I, I, it's okay. I can do this. I can do it on my own. Now, when, I, when we look at our life, are we aware of the danger we're in if we think, oh, I'll never struggle. I'll never fall. Oh, I'm fine. I can stand up to this. I can put myself in that situation and I'm strong enough. Now, if we're aware of our weaknesses and if we're aware we're prone to wander, that needs to keep us humble, needs to keep us near to our Saviour to say, Jesus, I need you. And the flip side of that, which is really challenging, is when we look at our prayer life, how much does that reveal of how much we trust in God? If we never pray, never spend time talking to, to God, then really we're saying, I can do this on my own. And so we need to get on our knees again, don't we, and say, Lord, help us. Help us in our need. Because there's pride here from Peter, and we can have it in our lives as well. There's pride in a slightly other way here as well, isn't there, in Peter as well? Because he clearly was worried about what other people thought about him. Here's this servant girl saying, you were with Jesus, weren't you? And because he feared her more than he feared God, he lied and he said, I'm not one of them, one of his disciples. So often we worry what other people think, more about what God thinks. And so we want to be kind of, we want to look good in the front of people, and then we don't look 
good, as it were, in the light of what God says and does. This is how one commentator put it, J.C. Riley says, we fear the face of man more than we fear the face of God. And it's true, isn't it? We fear the face of man more than we fear the face of God. Because there's pride there. God sees what we do, and we need to live for him, not for others. So you see, Peter needs to know himself. He needs to look at his past. We need to look at our past. He needs to see the pride in his heart. We need to see the pride in our heart. And the last thing here is knowing ourselves. Is notice the progression, okay, the progression that we see. Because Peter um, says no to the servant girl, which I'm sure would have been a hard thing to do in one sense, even though it's the easy route. But he lies, and he takes that easy option, but then the momentum has started. So the next two questions come, and they just roll out. Oh, I'm not with them. I'm not with them. Once you start, once you start in that path to sin, as it were, the downward pull, the gravity of sin is powerful. So once we say, uh, go against Jesus once, then it's fast and, and we, can be really, we need to be really careful. And that's the pull of sin, isn't it? That's why we need to have short accounts with God. If we know that we've gone against him, if we deny Jesus publicly, privately, we just say, sorry, Lord, keep repenting, keep coming back to him, Lord, I'm sorry rather than going on that downward spiral because once you get past a certain point the speed is very fast and um, almost impossible to stop that's the danger of sin isn't it deceptive and it takes over you've seen them we on the hills around us this week the fires I remember on i think it was wednesday night there's a small little fire just behind the top top kyra just small it didn't look like much and then an hour later i looked up and suddenly it's half the mountains on fire. The nature of fire is to consume. It'll just consume whatever's in its path. And it's the same with sin. It's never happy with just a little bit. Just one lie. No, it goes, it snowballs. It goes bigger and bigger and bigger. We need to know ourselves. Peter should have known himself. And if we're to stand strong in the battle, if we're not going to deny Jesus, then we need to know our weaknesses, know our struggles. Look at your past. Look at your pride and be warned about the progression of sin in our lives. In Luke 22, we get another account of this scene. And remember, Peter's been brought close in to watch this trial that Jesus is going through. And, and look what we're told there. Peter said when he was asked, do you know this man? Man, I do not know what you're talking about. And immediately while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And then it tells us in Luke's gospel, and the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he'd said to him before the rooster crows, you'll deny me three times. He went out and wept bitterly. You, can you imagine that look for a moment? Peter has just denied his saviour three times. The one who he dearly loves and is passionate about, he's let him down. Jesus is heartbroken, no doubt. When we deny Jesus, we're not just breaking rules or laws, we're breaking his heart. When we turn away from him, we're not just breaking a rule, but we're breaking that relationship, that bond. So can you see, we need to know ourselves. Now at this point in the service and in the sermon, I'm sure we're all feeling pretty terrible, aren't we? We can see our failure in the past. We can see our pride. We can see the progression and how we've just given into that so often. We need to know ourselves. But if we leave it there, then we're going to, well, well, we'll end up just doing the same again. The second heading is really important. We need to know our saviour. Know our saviour. So know yourself and know your saviour. This is how we can stand in, in our trials. So side by side with Peter's denial here, we kind of get the camera shifts, isn't it, to another scene. 
and it shows us the, the trial of Jesus. And um, in verses 19 to 24, we see Jesus before the high priest. We're told in verse 18, there was a charcoal fire. That's important for two reasons. One I'll tell now, one we'll see in a, in a moment. But one reason that we're told again, there's a charcoal fire, verse 18, that it was cold. And again, uh, down in verse uh, 26, 25, Peter was warming himself because it was cold. The reason that's there is to remind us, look, this was happening at night. These kind of meetings shouldn't have happened at night. They were illegal to happen at night. This should have been happening in the day with warnings, with you should have had um, witnesses there. The accused was, wasn't supposed to speak in these kind of trials, and yet they asked Jesus to speak. There were no witnesses. This was happening in an illegal time. Jesus had nothing to hide. He said, look, I've done everything in public. That's what his argument is. Why are you asking me now? Why are you doing this in secret when I did everything in public? Jesus had to speak for himself. And he's been horribly treated. Just that scene again where he speaks and um, verse 22, one of the officers stands and strikes Jesus with his hand. Can you imagine that? That is the Lord Jesus, the Son of God in the flesh being struck by one of these men. How dare you speak to him like that? Little did they know that in front of them was the true high priest, the one who intercedes for us. So here he was in this illegal trial. And remember, Jesus knew everything that was going to happen to him. He knew, last week we saw that, he knew what was going to happen. He knew about this illegal trial. He knew the false accusations. He knew the injustice of it all. And he knew where this was headed. He knew he was heading to the cross. He knew that he had to stand firm and be faithful. Why? Because he was going there to save and rescue sinners. Sinners just like Peter. Sinners just like me. Sinners just like you. Now for us to know help in our failure, we need to know ourselves, but also we need to know our Savior. What do we need to know about him? Well, look firstly here at how Jesus tries to help Peter. Just before Peter's denial, Jesus has told him that he's going to do it. Do you think that was nice for Peter to hear? Do you think it was nice for Peter to hear, Peter, tonight you're going to fail me and let me down. You're going to deny me three times. That would have been really uncomfortable to hear, really horrible thing to hear from somebody who you care about so much. There will be times in our life, and maybe even times like this morning, where we're made very aware of our failure, where God puts his finger on areas of our life, that aren't pleasing to him. Maybe we've let others down or hurt someone. We've done something or we haven't done something. Maybe we just feel like our life is a mess and in chaos and we just see the darkness of our heart and we can go through these periods where we just, we feel just so low. Now it's so important for us to recognize that those moments. That is God's loving, kind, uh, showing us of our failure. He lovingly does it. He does it because he wants to help us. He does it and he shows us because he knows how dangerous and destructive sin is in our life. And so he can take us to these moments and they are not moments of hopelessness. But in those moments, he can speak to us and bring light and hope to us. Maybe you feel in that chaotic moment now in your life where everything seems all over the place, where you can't seem to get a foothold in your life and everything seems up in the air. Well, this morning there is hope because we have a God who brings order out of chaos we have a God who brings hope in the darkest of times so if God is putting his finger on things in your life today 
if he is making you feel that uncomfortable grace then see it for what it is god loves you too much to let you keep going down this path he knows where this could lead if you keep going and so lovingly he wants to stop you in your tracks and say look stop look what you're doing jesus loves peter too much just let him go he says look when you deny me i I pray that you'll be brought back so there's hope given to peter even there so yes jesus warns him yes it's not very nice but he does that because he loves him but also here we see that peter is told what's going to happen so it was no surprise to him it was no surprise to jesus that peter was going to fail and still jesus went to the cross for him even though he told him peter you will deny me and peter says no i won't (laughs) jesus still goes to the cross for him isn't that encouraging this morning jesus knows about your failure he knows about the areas of weakness in your life he knows it all he knows your past your present your future sins and he still loves you and he still says look at the cross and what i've done for you and even this morning he might be using this as a time to call you back and say come on stop wandering stop walking away come back to me earlier if if we'd have read um this passage remember back to back with last week's passage remember the big phrase that jesus used twice last week i am remember who are you looking for we're looking for jesus of nazareth jesus says i am isn't there such a contrast here that peter's asked do you know jesus of nazareth and he says are you one of his disciples and peter says i am not and again he asks and he says i am not such a contrast here is peter's unfaithfulness uh, right next to jesus's faithfulness we have a faithful savior even in our unfaithfulness and isn't that a glorious thing to hold on to this morning yes we failed but our savior didn't and he is one who will not deny us he is one who will not let us down so on 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 the day of judgment when we deserve to be judged for all the wrong we've done our savior will not deny us he will stand up for us and he will say this is my child the price has been paid there with me there is hope here peter uh, peter's sin was not unknown to jesus he forgave him he he had him read he knew it was going to happen and still he went to the cross and the same for us he knows all about us and there is forgiveness this morning but the last thing i want us to finish with is this this is not the end of peter's story is it and we left peter in verse 27 where the cock crowed where jesus um, where um, jesus would have looked at him as we saw in luke and he just feels well he feels like he's that's it i've i failed but if we read on in john's gospel what do we see well i want us just to jump quickly to um chapter 21. If you look at chapter 21 and there we see uh, jesus reveals himself again to the disciples you see that passage there jesus after this jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the sea of tiberias and he revealed himself in this way simon peter thomas called the twin nathaniel of canaan and galilee the sons of zebedee and the two other of his disciples were together simon peter said to them i'm going fishing and they said we'll go with you and they went out and got into the boat but that night they caught nothing just as day was breaking jesus stood on the shore yet the disciples did not know that it was jesus and jesus said to them children do you have any fish they answered him no 
he said, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it and now they were, they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. The disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said, Peter, it is the Lord, said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard this, it was the Lord. He put on his outer garment for he was stripped for work and threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far off from the land. When they'd got out on the land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out and bread. And Jesus invites them to come and have breakfast. Then jump down to verse 15, he says this. When they'd finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved that he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Now, do you see what's happened there? There's a, that word, the charcoal fire that we saw in John 18, that word is only used twice in the New Testament. One is where Peter's warning himself, warming himself, watching Jesus' trial. The second one is here, where Jesus is cooking breakfast to have with the disciples. So around a charcoal fire in John 18, Peter is asked three times, do you love Jesus? And he said, no. Do you love Jesus? No. Do you love Jesus? Nothing to do with him. And then Jesus lovingly kind of recreates the scene. You can almost imagine Peter smelling that and taking him back to that moment again. And Jesus says, Peter, do you love me? Peter says, you know I do. Do you love me? You, you know I do. Peter, do you love me? You know everything. You know I love you. He's asked three questions around the fire in John 18 and he fails. Again, he's asked three questions around the fire and Jesus restores him and says, right, I'm going to use you now. He's not cast off as worthless. He's not said, no, I can never use you again because of your failure. Jesus kind of recommissions him. This is not the end of Peter's story because we have a saviour who's full of grace. A saviour who says, I want to use people who know their weakness. See, John wasn't, uh, Peter wasn't ready to be used by Jesus yet. He hadn't been humbled. God had work to do in him. But here, Jesus restores him and says, right, now you're ready. Now you're ready for a fresh start, ready to serve me. Now, when we think of ourselves, so often we can think, oh, if I fail, I've messed up, then God's got nothing for me. He can't use me. But actually, when we recognize our weakness, that actually qualifies us to be used by Jesus because then we know our need for our Savior and we know that we can't look down on anybody else and we can tell them about the glorious Savior who's forgiven us. See, today, Jesus offers you a fresh start. Again, he says, look, I know the past. I know what you've done. I know you've been wondering. I know there's chaos in your life right now. Come to me. Do you love me? And don't we say with Peter, you know everything, you know we love you. To whom else shall we go? You've got the words of eternal life. As Peter says in John 6, there's nowhere else to go, Jesus. You've, you're, you've got it. This is our saviour this morning who says, come back. Stop wondering, come back. And says to us, now go. Go and tell of this. Go and serve me. See, to serve our Saviour, to, to love him, to, to honour him, and to not deny him, we need to know ourselves. And looking at our, ourselves is painful sometimes. We look at our past, we look at our weaknesses. We look at all the ways we've let him down, and we see the attack um, uh, tactics of Satan. We need to see that. 
We just see our pride and how much we, we think we can do it on our own. But we need to humble ourselves and need Jesus' help. And we see the warning of the progression of sin. But then we just see our Saviour. Our Saviour who is so loving and kind and wants to freely offer us uh, this second chance. So today, don't walk out of here without making sure you are right with him. He won't turn you away. He welcomes all to come. And whatever we've done, let's turn to Jesus today. Let's pray before we sing our last hymn and thank him for all that he's done for us. We thank you, our Saviour, Jesus, for the patience that you show us. In all of our failure, in all of our denying of you, whether that's in public or in private, we thank you that you remain faithful in our unfaithfulness. We thank you that you restored Peter and used him. And we pray, Lord, for anyone here this morning who feels uh, like they've failed too much for you, thank you for the reminder that you invite us around that fire again, as it were, and you want to restore us. So help us, we pray, to keep our eyes on our Saviour. In Jesus' name, amen.